You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, if you have a Bible, grab it. I'd love for you to hold the Word of God in your hand. There's some Bibles uh, underneath the aisles. Um, We're going to be in the book of Ephesians. We've been in the book of Ephesians since the beginning of January, and we're on verse 19. I love it. It's so good. So rich. So we're going to dive in. Um, so as many, many of you know, you probably saw at one point one of my daughters try to jump up on stage today. Um, I've got four uh, sweet, sweet daughters um, most of the time. And um, they are 10, 8 now. So 10, 8, 7, 4. Um, and, and they just are absolutely amazing. And uh, my wife and I, uh, years ago, probably five, six years ago, uh, we became foster parents, and so at that stage of our life, we had one child, Selah, um, and then we had a little boy named Jamie come into our home. He was uh, a preemie born uh, in the NICU, and we picked him up, and uh, he was super sweet and, and was uh, reunited with a family friend, and then we had a little boy named Christian who was three years old that was the same age as Selah, uh, and Selah's still today. I mean, she's 10 now and still talks about her brother Christian uh, that was living with us for a time, and now he's been reunited with a family friend and some family members um, and his mom, I think, and then... Um, and then our daughter Hope came to us. And so she was uh, about a little younger than two years old. And she came, and um, that was a difficult but amazing season. And a year and three months later, we had the opportunity of adopting her, which is just awesome. Um, and so now she's our forever daughter. And for the last maybe six months or so, my wife and I have been feeling a stir to potentially open our home back up to foster care, um, to foster children. There's such a huge need in this area. Um, And so we just said, we're going to be faithful and we are going to do what the Lord said and at least renew our license. So that's the stage we're at, just renewing our license. But in that process, we thought, hey, why don't we get the house set up to have another child in the home? And so we ended up getting these bunk beds from Ikea. And as everybody knows, Ikea uh, is my kryptonite. Um, It's these boxes filled with hundreds of parts that you have to Lego piece together. Um, And so uh, they were in my garage. And so the other day, I was going to put them together. So I bent over and, you know, the box that says two people only, right? So I went, picked it up myself, and I'm like walking into the house with it, trying to get around the corners, and Hope comes over to me, and she's like, wow, Daddy, you're so strong. You're like the strongest ever. And I don't know about you other dads, but when your child acknowledges your strength, you all of a sudden become like Superman, right? It's like, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, yes, I am, right? <laughs> like, I want, I want my daughters to always remember I am the strongest man they will ever know. Right? Because when those boys start coming around in uh, high school, hopefully later, maybe 20s, um, that they will always remember, I'm the strongest ever. Um, and so, so I'm like holding this thing. I'm like, yes, I am. Right? And I'm something walking with this. And, and I know that that's silly, but um, my strength is very limited. Um, I uh, can lift certain pounds, but there's a capacity to what I can lift. But we're about to open up the Bible. This is the word of God, and what we're going to see is that our strength, our power, our might, our ability pales in comparison to the God who created all things, who spoke a word 
and creation came into existence. And by his might, he not only created all, but then he raised Jesus from the dead. And that's the passage that we're about to look at this morning. That's what we're going to be diving into. And see, I, I can hold maybe 100 pounds. I'm being very generous, and I'm definitely uh, rounding up a lot. Um, God holds the universe together. As R.C. Sproul says, there is not one molecule in the entire universe outside of his control. And this concept, it's not easy to believe. And I, I don't want to minimize the fact that, that there is faith that it takes to believe that there is a God who created all things. Because when my life is hard, when the world begins to throw things at me, uh, I, I tend to forget. I tend to forget about the God who has created me and the God who raised Jesus from the dead and the God that is all-powerful and all-knowing and everywhere and he is in control. He is sovereign. And when I'm in the thick of my problems and hurts and addictions and all of those things, I forget how mighty and how powerful he truly is. And so the last few weeks we started looking at um, this pastoral prayer in the book of Ephesians. So we have to remember Paul is in prison and he's writing to a church whom he loves that he started and he is writing this prayer over them. And so the first week, Mark Cook, he's one of our uh, partners, church mission partners. Um, he uh, oversees the ministry Ride Nature, which is an action sport ministry downtown. He spoke about how uh, God's sovereignty and God's sovereign, um, our sovereign God calls and commands us to make disciples. And how this prayer should fuel our discipleship. And then Tim, one of our elders, taught a few weeks ago about praying wisdom and insight and knowledge over the people that are in our lives. Our kids, our coworkers, our friends, our family. This is a great prayer for you guys, Corey and Tori, to be praying over your kids every single night. And then... Mark Stockland from Haiti Bible Mission, another one of our missionary partners, um, spoke last week about having our hearts enlightened to the hope that we have in Jesus. And now we get to hone in on verses 19 through 21. So I'm going to read the whole thing in context because this is one thought, this is one prayer, and then we're going to dive into 19 through 21. Let's start uh, Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason... This reason that God has given us this inheritance, that he has predestined us, that he has chosen us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. For this reason that he has given us the Holy Spirit. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet 
And he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Can I pray for us? Jesus. Thank you for giving us this word to uh, encourage our hearts and in our minds to help us know who you are and what you've done for us and the power that we can experience in Jesus. So God, right now I pray that you would help remove the distractions from our life and around us and that you would begin to open up our hearts and minds to what you, God, want to say to us today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, Paul is super creative. I don't know if you have spent any time reading Paul's letters, but he is a very articulate fella. Um, He is really good at using his words, and he picks very specific words when he's saying things like this. And so, he says this, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. That word immeasurable greatness is is so beautiful. It actually means to throw over and beyond. It's like taking Maya, who is my four-year-old, and putting her up against the strongest professional sports athlete, uh, baseball player out there, and letting him have a throwing contest. It's not even a contest. She may get a few feet. He can throw it across the field. Like, it's so far above and beyond anything we can ever ask, think, or imagine. He's saying this immeasurable greatness, and then he says, of his power. Dunamis in Greek. And I love um, one, of, uh, one of the guys in our church, he came up to me, he's like, hey, why do we keep referring to the Greek? Well, because we, this text was actually originally written in Greek. That's the language that they would have spoken. And so sometimes when we're translating the Bible from Greek to English, we lose some of the, the oomph that some of these words have. But dunamis, what is this? This miraculous power, might, strength. And I love the definition of it. It's the ability to perform. The ability to perform. So this immeasurable greatness, it's without measure. It's so great, this power that he has towards us who believe. And then he goes on to say that it's working um, according to his great might that he worked in Christ. So this, these words, working and worked. Guess what word they use there? Energia and energio. Do you know what word we get from that working? Energy. That word energy that we use, it's this power in action. It's like this electrical current bringing energy to a shining light bulb. So I've got this super power flashlight here. An empty vessel, completely useless, without a source of energy. And he's talking about how this power that he has that goes within us, I probably should figure out which way this goes in, right? That does what? That brings light in the midst of the darkness. I'm not going to shine. It's actually super bright. Um, So, like, that power is what creates the energy, the power within us, inside of us. Not not new new agey energy. I'm talking about real, legit energy power to overcome because this life is hard this life we will experience struggles we will experience heartache we will experience failure and he has given us the power and we're going to look at what that means
So let's take this in context, right? So the entirety of what Paul has been saying so far. These are the words that Paul uses. So I am, I'm not trying to um, project any beliefs on you. I want to use the words that are seen in this text, this scripture. He says that we have been predestined, that we have been called, that we have been adopted. So in context, he is speaking about the church, that he, through his power, has invited, has called, has predestined, has adopted as sons and daughters. He is talking about those who were once enemies. Listen, God didn't go around picking the cream of the crop. You are not sitting here today because you are epically awesome. Look at the disciples. They weren't the best of the best. They were men who were projected to be somewhere in their late teens, early 20s. And at that day and age, what would have happened was those kids would have gone to school. And in school, they would have tried to memorize the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. And that was their schooling. They were memorizing it. They were going through that study. The best of the best, somewhere around 11, 12, 13, would have gotten taken by the rabbis of that day. Would have been taken by the Pharisees and the Sadducees to go into their training program. And the other ones would have went and joined their family trade. All of the guys that Jesus recruited as disciples were already in their family trade. They flunked the test. They were fishermen and people who had day jobs. And he calls them and invites them, not because they were uh, uniquely special, but because God saw something in them that he wanted to invite them into relationship with him and put his power in them. They were empty vessels. And so, he wanted those who would admit their inability. That's big. Admitting your inability. Anybody else struggle with that? I'll just speak for myself. I struggle with that daily. To admit that I can't do it on my own. The world is throwing at us that we need to be self-made men. We've got to figure it out. We've got to pull our bootstraps. We've got to white-knuckle it. But the Bible says we need to surrender. We need to actually admit our death. <laughs> we actually have to realize that salvation comes through full surrender. Surrendering to the one who's already accomplished it all for us on our behalf. And so, for those who have had their hearts enlightened, he says three things, and I love what he says. So how does this impact us? For those who have had their hearts enlightened, we want to, he wants us to know and receive the hope to which he has called us. And then what does he say? He wants us to know and receive the riches that belong to God. And then, and what we're honing in on today, that he wants us to know and receive the immeasurable greatness of his power. And it's not just that. This kind of power that he's talking about is the power that, that brought Jesus from death to life. This is the power that he's speaking of. That's what he says a little further on here. He's talking about this power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ. The energy that he used to work in Christ that raised him from the dead and then seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. So this um, power is what has removed what the Bible says is a heart of stone within us 
and placed in a heart of flesh. Now, last night, my wife and I had the honor and the blessing of going to uh, the American Heart Association's Heart Ball. And one of the guys that were there, um, he's, I don't know if he was a heart hero or somebody that um, he recently had a heart transplant. The condition, I actually went up and spoke to him, the condition that he had was that his heart was starting to turn to stone. He had some sort of disease that was causing his heart to turn into stone. So what did they need to do? What did the doctors need to do? They needed to give him a heart transplant. They needed to take out that old heart that was turning to stone and put in a heart of flesh. And that's what we see in the book of Ezekiel, in Jeremiah, in the book of Hebrews. That that's what God does. The power of God that raised Christ from the dead is also the same power that raised you and me from the dead. That power, that he reached in to every single one of us. Because when we're born, we are not born perfect. And if you don't agree with that, hang around a child a little bit. Like, go to any child, go to Roman, right, and wait till he starts talking back, right? When they start, the first words out of their mouth usually is what? No. Right, maybe they'll utter mama or dada, but no is very quickly after that. I remember so clearly this time, Selah, she could barely even walk, and she went over to the dog's food bowl, and, and she like was playing with the food, and I'm like, Selah, don't do that. And she like looked up at me, and looked back down and started playing again. I'm like, Selah, do not touch the dog food. She went, grabbed a handful. Selah, do not dump that on the floor. Do not drop. Why? Because it's in us. We have a heart of stone, and we need God in his immeasurable power to put in a heart of flesh. That's what we need. And so when you say, well, what does it take to, to, to be saved? It takes Jesus living the life that you couldn't live, dying a horrific death, hanging on a cross, and then to be buried laying there for three days, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and then the power of God reaching in and defeating death. What was the curse? Think about this. Adam and Eve, they are perfect beings in the garden. And then God says, if you eat of this tree, what will you experience? You will surely die. And they eat of the fruit. That's where the heart of stone came in. And it took Jesus in his perfection experiencing that death, leaving eternity. Something that he has always known. Perfect harmony and relationship with his father. Coming down for you and for me to die so that he can defeat the one thing that separated us from God. Which is death. Both physical and spiritual. So that we may have life in him. And so... Paul is praying that everyone who knows and loves Jesus as their Lord and Savior will know and receive and experience the immeasurable greatness of his power. And this is both present and future. This is both present and future. And I believe this is a major reason, reason why we become stagnant in our faith. I think it's a reason we become stagnant in our faith because I think we are always keeping our minds maybe a little too like theoretical and like, oh yeah, this will happen one day. And we don't actually tap into the power that, of the Holy Spirit that has been placed inside of us today. 
now, in this very moment. And you're like, wait, 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 hold on a second. These verses are specific to Jesus. Yes. Look at that word toward. That word toward in the Greek is E-I-S. It means to or into. It means God's power into us. Having the, hearts of our, uh, the eyes of our hearts enlightened, right? The heart of stone changed to a heart of flesh, flesh, that you may know the hope that you've been called to, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe. Into us who believe. So he wants us to experience not only this power that brings us salvation so that we may be with him in heaven. This isn't just a get out of hell free card. He wants us to experience that power here and now in this very moment. As you're sitting there and your mind is racing about the stock market and your mind is racing about what you have to do when you get home and you're hungry and uh, for teens, right? You, want, you, you just want to go and do something. You just want to get out of here. You want to throw a football. You, wanna, you just don't want to be here. He wants you to experience his power now. He wants you to know more of him. That's the good news that we're seeing here. And so he's talking about, yes, speaking about Jesus being seated at the right hand of heaven, but just a little further along, when we get to Ephesians 2.6, what are we going to see? God, in Ephesians 2.6, raises us up with him and seats us with him in the heavenly places with Jesus Christ. He places Jesus in, or he places us in Jesus, and then he places his spirit in us so that we may experience his power here and now as well as the future. So how does this work? All right, so let's get to the practical. How does this work? Three ways God's power transforms our lives. Number one, God desires for us to experience the power that raised Jesus through our own salvation. Ephesians 2.5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Salvation, as we just talked about, only comes to dead people. In your worst moment, Christ died for you. You know, I, I spend a lot of time, I am a super extrovert, um, but I spend a lot of time hanging out uh, outside of this place. I have a full-time job. I'm a realtor, as well as I, I hang out mostly in my office hours at Starbucks. Um, I love going to the gym. I love being around town. And when I'm at those places, I like to talk to people. I like to get to know people. And one of the biggest reasons why people are not comfortable placing their faith in Jesus or coming to church is because they believe that they are too bad. Most people in our world around us here won't come here because they believe that their lives, the lives that they lived, or what they have done in the past is too bad. That God, for some reason, can't forgive them. They, 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 even, even if they've heard God forgives all, like, they can't wrap their minds around. They actually think that they're going to walk through the doors and, like, the building's going to catch on fire. I've had people say that to me. If I walk through your doors, your building will catch on fire. Now, this week, I was podcasting uh, another pastor. His name is Matt Chandler. And um, I was listening to a story that he was sharing of a testimony of a guy in his church, a guy that's actually on staff at his church, who grew up in Papua New Guinea. And this guy, who's now on staff at his church, who grew up in Papua New Guinea, was a part of a cannibal tribe. And he participated in this cannibal tribe. Now, I don't know how bad you are and what you have done, but have you ever eaten somebody? Have you ever murdered somebody and then had them for lunch? And God saved that guy. So no matter what you have done, it's not too far off. 
And so that's the good news that we get to come and talk to people about. That Jesus, in his love, loves us. And he wants to forgive us and he wants to save us. God desires for all humanity to experience being brought from death to life. Where do I get that? 1 Timothy 2, 4. Look it up. He desires for all men to be saved. Paul is praying that you know the power it took to make you believe. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Because, here's the second one. God desires for us to experience power over sin. Jesus had the power over sin. And he wants you to experience that same power. God did not create you and call you to be wallowing, powerless in your sin. If you have sin issues in your life, if there is something that you're dealing with right now, if it's addiction, hurt, habit, hang-up, bitterness, uh, anxiety, fear, depression, whatever you're dealing with in this very moment, the Lord is inviting you to deal with it through his power and through his body, the church, and that's what we're going to see next week. That he hasn't called you into isolation so that you can just deal with your problems on your own, get your act together, and then come to the church. No, the church is meant for broken people. And we all have issues. Look at the person next to you. Tell them they have issues. (laughs) We all have issues. And the first step to getting past those issues is admitting we have a problem. And then dealing with it. How does the Bible invite us to deal with it? It says if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, to gouge it out. If sin is crouching at your door, run away, flee from it. Do you ever, and maybe I'll just speak to the men. Do you ever get yourself in a situation where you know that sin is knocking and you determine that the best thing for you is to sit there and, and try to fight it and, and muscle through it versus running from it? Think, oh, well, I can be strong enough this time. I can be strong enough this time. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing this time. And I'm just going to get so close to the line, but I'm not going to step over it. Does that sound like you ever? What does the Bible say? Run from it. Flee. Oh, yeah, but that shows weakness. Yes, you're weak. Okay, let's just admit that. God wants you to experience power over your sin. He, he does not want you to continue to quench the spirit in your life. If you are sitting here today and you're going, man, I am not experiencing the power of the spirit, then my first question to you will be is what sin issue is in your life that you are not dealing with? I was speaking to somebody at the gym this week and they were talking about how um, they have all this beef with people within the church. Like, oh, well, this, you know, this person did this, this person did that. Okay, okay, okay. I was like, but do you believe in God? He's like, oh yeah, I believe in him. Yeah, do you have a relationship with him? Oh, I do, I do, I do. Do you read the word? Mm, no, I, I haven't done that in a long time. You spend time in prayer? Oh, you know, like food time. That's not the relationship that Christ has given up his life for 
leaving heaven to come here to wrap himself in flesh and to die a horrific death. That's not why he died on the cross for you to not have a relationship with him. If my relationship with my wife consisted of talking to her every so often and never about anything about her and I didn't care to get to know her and her ways and her things, like that wouldn't be much of a relationship. Like when, when we get together, like may, let's talk about prayer life for a second. In your prayer life, do you talk more or do you listen more? Am I going to be able to get to know my wife if I'm the only one talking? Well, how do we hear his word? Pray through this. Open this up, turn to the Psalms, and start praying it back to God. If you want, step one. That's what we can do. So this is what God has invited us for. This is what the power is that God has placed inside of us so that we may have power over sin. There was this um, young couple. Lauren and I had the blessing of doing their premarital counseling. Um, They went to a different church, um, and so they were kind of coming in and and meeting with us on our couch. And and then they uh, got married. I had the blessing of of marrying them. And then um, they went off and kind of did their own thing. And and we kind of lost touch with them um, because they were a part of a different community in a different area in a different place. And the wife ended up having an affair with the best man in his wedding for a long time. Things weren't going well. They weren't dealing with it. They weren't talking about it. They were kind of living these two separate lives and, and just kind of going through the motions. They weren't going to church like they said they were going to church. And so he calls me up about six months in. He goes, something's going on with my wife. We, it's just she's not the woman I married. Okay, come back over. And they sit on my couch and then she admits to him in front of us that she had been having an affair with his best friend. I've never seen someone break so heavily in that moment. And I, I grabbed him and I picked him up and I brought him into the other room and he was weeping and sobbing and he was saying like I can't believe she sinned against me I can't believe she sinned against me I'm like well hold on like let's put this in context her sin is against a holy God and you have sin within you that has to be dealt with as well well he had been in this huge addiction of pornography that he was going into over and over again and so their sins were were just running rampant all over in their marriage And they came to this place where we had to say to them, listen, do you desire to surrender your entire life to Jesus? Do you desire to work through this and restore your marriage in a way where you go to him for your help and for your sustenance and for to be gospel-centered? And they had to make a choice in that moment. Were they going to deal with the sin that dwelled within them or not? It's two things. There's no in-between there. Deal with it or don't deal with it. Stop doing it. Continue doing it. Well, it's less frequent. You're still doing it. And so they had a choice to make in that moment. And only by the grace of God, in that moment, they made a decision by the power of God and the Spirit of God to say, we are going to work through this and deal with our sin issues. And praise God, it's been almost two years later, they've had... Uh, two kids, and, and God has done a miraculous work in their life. I share that with you because they decided in that moment that they were going to tap into the power that God has for them through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were going to admit their deaths. I don't know if I could forgive her. You can't in and of yourself, but through the power of God, you can. 
Well, I don't know if I'll be able to do this. Yeah, you're right. But through the power of God, you can. And that's what God wants for every single one of us. It doesn't matter what the thing is, how little you think it is or how big you think it is. Maybe you're just a person that manipulates your words. Maybe you're just a person that, um, that uh, doesn't scan in the self-checkout one item every three months. God wants you to ruthlessly deal with your sin and he gives you the power to do it. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells within you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he wants you to deal with your sin because he hates sin and it will always lead you to destruction and death. We have to stop looking at sin as good and bad. Oh, I'm a good person. I'm a bad person. No, we're either alive or we're dead. And our sin will only lead us to death. That is the only place we'll ever, the world and the devil wants us to believe that we will experience some sort of life within our sin. Meaning some kind of enjoyment. Some kind of happiness, some kind of satisfaction. Here is a promise that's not only seen in scripture, but that's proven true in every single one of our lives. Every sin leads us to death and destruction. End of story. You know that to be true. I don't even have to convince you of that. Yet we still play with our sin as if it was a cute little puppy. And God says, deal with it. Run away from it. Go to your elders, to your pastors, to your deacons, to your community group leaders and say, I'm struggling, I need help. And then do the things that we have in place to get help. That's what the Bible talks about. That's the family that God has invited us into. And that's the third thing. I'm wrapping up. The bank can start coming up. God desires for us to experience the power to invite others to experience life in him. It doesn't just stop with us experiencing salvation. It starts, or it's, it continues on in us sharing this good news with every man, woman, and child that we get to come in contact with. God didn't bring you from death to life so that you can sit here as a consumer eating popcorn, waiting for the movie to be over so that you can leave and do nothing. He has invited you to experience him in such a way that you will leave this place and your light will shine in the midst of darkness. Anybody else agree that our world is a dark place? And the only hope, there's no other way, the only hope is in you. And so then why do we hide it under a bushel What's the song? No, I'm going to let it shine. How do we let it shine? We go and we share good news with everybody we have. Oftentimes, we think that just our actions are enough. And I do believe that we have to live this stuff out in front of people, absolutely. But we also need to use our words. And we need to tell people what the Lord has done for us. And so if we're dealing with sin issues in our life, then we're going to be powerless because what we're doing, every time we're about to share something, we think about how much of a hypocrite we are. Guess what? I'm going to solve this for everybody. We're all hypocrites because we'll never be able to match up to perfection with God. That's why we need Jesus on a daily basis. 
That's why we need to wake up every morning and present the gospel to ourselves first and foremost. Before your feet hit the ground, try this. Tell yourself the gospel in the morning. Jim, before you get out of bed, say, there is a God who loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me and he has brought me from death to life. Before you get out of bed, do that. Preach the gospel to yourself so that you remember all day, every day, what God has done for you. And then share that good news with everybody. Not because you have it all together, but because he has accomplished it on your behalf. It is finished. And he has done that for you and I to know and love Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power you have given us in your spirit. And I pray that we would experience more of you, God. Even as we sing right now, God, I pray your spirit would fall heavy on this place. God, where there is addiction, where there is sin, where there is brokenness, where there needs to be healing, where there uh, is a hardened heart of stone, where there are men who live in anger day in and day out against their spouse or their uh, kids, where there are um, uh, women who live um, and men who live with um, gossip in their lives. God, whatever the things may be that are inside of us, God, I pray that you would begin to convict us through the power of your Holy Spirit and then help us come together as a church through our community groups, through our uh, pastors, through our deacons, through our, um, our relationship with one another. God, that we would come together and deal with these things so that we may have life and life to the full that you desire for us. God, we love you. We need you. We lift this all up in your name.